All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter number 4, 1 John chapter number 1, not chapter number 4. Uh, and if, if you remember right, we've been going through joy, and we of course went through all the occurrences of the word joy in the book of Philippians, and, uh, and hoping and praying that that, that, that has been a blessing for, to you. And last Sunday, we went through 1 John chapter number 1, and, uh, and really we covered this idea in verse number 4 that he says this, First uh, John chapter number 1 and verse number 4, he said, And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. And as we think about that and... Um, look at that this evening. Uh, we're just going to start here, uh, but I, I, I have the, uh, the thought and the idea that uh, your joy, it's possible for your joy to not be full. If he wrote these things uh, so that our joy could be full, then there is potential that our joy, uh, that our joy may not be full. And, uh, and I, I will look at a few uh, scriptural evidences of that this evening, and, uh, and I hope and pray that it'll be a blessing to us. Why would we look at that? We'd look at that so that, uh, so that we as Christians would not lose our joy, and we could have full joy. And so uh, that's kind of what I, what I want to start with and look at uh, this evening in this message. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer before we start and get into the message. Father, we thank you. For today, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, I thank you for your word that we can study, that we can look through, that we can learn from. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that uh, you would just touch hearts as only you can this evening. Father, I pray that we as Christians would have uh, full joy this evening. Father, not because of us, uh, but because of you and because of what you've done for us, Father. And I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse, uh, we'll read it again there, 1 John 1, 4. The Bible says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And we looked at, of course, last week, the fellowship of life, fellowship of light, and fellowship of love uh, that, that God has given to us, that our joy may be full. Uh, but as I was thinking about that, and thinking about that idea, uh, the idea, too, that, hey, our joy can be lost. Uh, and our joy, I've met Christians, and you probably have met Christians too, and they're not joyful. And you're like, man, wow. Uh, and there's times in your life and in my life where we have not been joyful. Uh, and, and we can look at our own lives and we say, well, I know in my life I've lost joy at times. And, uh, and so we want to look at that idea so that we can avoid uh, those, those uh, pitfalls and those snares. Turn with me, if you will, to, to John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 10. And as we think about lost joy, the first thing that would come to mind, I think, for uh, most people in John chapter number 10 and verse number 1, look with me there. The Bible says, <clears throat> we're going to dig through a few passages this evening, so you better have your fingers limbered up, amen, and get ready to move uh, and turn to a few passages. But the first thing that I think about when I think about lost joy is I think about uh, a thief. And the Bible says here in John chapter 10 and verse number 1, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door unto, into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. 
And, uh, and Jesus is giving a passage here on the, the good shepherd and talking about sheep and how they're in the fold and, uh, and talking about how a thief would climb in some other way to steal sheep. But as he does that, he gives us a very uh, strong and clear inclination. Look with me at verse number 10 as he tells us uh, the idea of the thief. He goes down in verse number 10 and he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, and he says, I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. And we think about a thief as somebody who steals. And, uh, and the Bible, of course, would indicate, hey, that the devil is a liar. He said that in John 8. Uh, he says, and he is the father of lies, and he is also a thief and a robber, and he would desire to steal your joy. And as I think about it this evening, uh, I want you to understand that a thief, a, a thief steals something that is easy to get. When we, were, when we lived in Peru, Peru is probably, well, it is definitively notorious for petty theft. It just is. I mean, it is just notorious. Matter of fact, the joke in Peru, in South America, is this, uh, and you might not get all of it, but you will get the last one. Uh, they say, well, how do you know, if you're traveling through South America, how do you know that you're in Ar Argentina? And they say, well, Argentina, they talk funny, and they kind of make fun of that. And then they say, well, how do you know that you're in this country? And they, they mention something that's characteristical of that country. And, and then they say, well, how do you know when you're in Peru? And they say, your watch is gone, your wallet is gone, and uh, your computer is gone. And uh, Because, I mean, and it's, it's just notorious for pe petty theft. And, uh, and a thief is going to steal something that is easy to get to. Uh, and, and so listen, our joy is something that can be stolen or lost. The Bible give, does give us a very clear idea that the devil is a robber. Uh, and listen, a thief will steal when you least expect it. And, uh, and you, you understand that we've talked about that. And we talked about oh, a while back uh, thieves breaking into a house in Peru. Man, you had to be ever vigilant uh, of thieves and thievery. Uh, I remember there were places in town that you would go and, and they would tell us, they say, man, don't, don't carry your wallet in your back pocket. And, and they said, before you go down there, take off your watch. And, and it, it was, I just had a Timex, I mean, a $10 Walmart watch. I mean, we weren't taking anything spectacular, but they were still said, man, take your watch off and, and put it in your pocket. And, and I used to wear clothing that would, would fall over my pockets so that my pockets were not visible from the outside, you know, because uh, it would be too easy for them to slip their hands in. And, and listen, the, the devil will find a way to steal your joy. Uh, the devil is against the work of God in every regard, in every way imaginable, and he will do what he can uh, to destroy our lives and take away the effectiveness and the joy of a Christian. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse number 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of, dar of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And listen, if the devil can get you down and defeated and, uh, and get you um, just non-joyful, I just thought of the kid's song, The Devil Wants Everybody Grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. And, uh, and I, I didn't sing that song in June Church, but I've heard it uh, a few times here in, in our kids' classes. And there's, that's so true. 
the devil doesn't want happy Christians. The devil doesn't want joyful Christians. The devil does not want victorious Christians because if there's victorious, joyful Christians, the world's going to look at that and they're going to say, man, I want that. If you run around dragging your lip on the ground, the world's going to say, I don't want that. I've already got that. I'm looking for something better. And so the world, uh, uh, the, the, the devil is going to try and get you down. And listen, uh, sometimes I, we, we, we throw everything at the devil. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think the devil is near as interested in you personally as we say he is. Uh, there is all kinds of demons, and, and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and, and spiritual darkness. And, and so there are other methods that they do use, and the devil is not alone in his work to uh, influence and steal the joy of a Christian. And I want you to understand that, uh, listen, Satan is certainly a thief, and he will steal. Uh, and listen, he uses, the Bible talks about the... Um, in Spanish, it's machinaciones. Uh, I can think of the verse in Spanish. It's uh, the um, traps or the, uh, the, the traps of the devil uh, as he would desire to ensnare us. And we need to be aware of those things uh, that, they, uh, that, that he does. And, and listen, one of the things that the world uses is all the influence of the world. Listen, we should not be surprised. You should not be surprised that the world would promote wickedness in every show and every entertainment industry that exists on the face of the earth. Why? Because that's, I mean, who's running those shows? They're worldly lost people. What's the agenda they're pushing? Well, I tell you what, they're not pushing the Bible. They're not pushing righteousness. They're not pushing going to church. They're not pushing that God is the author uh, and, and finisher of everything. Uh, they're pushing that, hey, uh, all this stuff, you just live how you want, and they're promoting uh, worldliness, and they're anti-God. We should not be surprised that any of the uh, entertainment industry is against God. Listen, don't be surprised that the governments are against God. Why? Because, listen, there's a lot of people who are wicked in high places. And they're going to promote and they're going to push that. And I'm just saying, uh, we should not be surprised. And listen, don't let that steal your joy. The devil might use that uh, to, to discourage you and defeat you in your Christian life. And so I'm just saying that Satan is a thief. Not only does Satan steal our joy... But I want you to notice this, and we're going to turn to two different passages here, uh, but I want you to know that sin will steal your joy. Sin will steal your joy. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 11. 2 Samuel chapter number 11. We're not going to go through every detail of this story, but I, I want us to recall this and just look at this idea that sin will steal your joy. 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number 1 and 2. We'll just read those two and, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about this story and, and, and understand that this is a, a sinful passage. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter number 11 and verse number 2, it says, 
And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. You know the story, that woman was Bathsheba. And listen, David committed, ended up committing adultery with that, uh, that woman, Bathsheba. And listen, as, as the story progresses, David tries to cover it all up. And, and he finds out, oh, Bathsheba was married to Uriah the Hittite. And so David sends a letter and says, hey, call Uriah the Hittite back in. And, uh, and David tries to uh, get Uriah the Hittite to go home because he was trying to cover up his sins. And the more he tried to cover up, the worse things got. You think about this, David was lying to his, his, uh, the, the servants that worked there in the castle. He was lying to uh, Joab, his, his officer, chief officer of his army. And, uh, and he brought Uriah back and, and Uriah would not go home. Uriah was faithful to the king and faithful to the service of the army. And we find that Uriah would not go home. And so David sends a letter written by his own hand uh, and carried even by Uriah, by his own hand, uh, it was his own death warrant that he took back to Joab, his, his chief officer. And you know the story. David set up Uriah to be murdered completely. And, and he said, hey, I want you to move Uriah to the forefront of the battle, and I want him to fight in the forefront of the battle, and, uh, and while he's there, hey, I want you to pull the troops back. And they hung Uriah out to dry, and Uriah died in battle. And, and listen, it was not an accident, and it was not an accident of battle. It was outright murder that David had scripted and sent uh, all the way to his officer so that Uriah would be wiped out. And in theory, nobody would know that the king had sinned and the king had done wickedly. But let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. The Bible says that he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And as much as David tried to cover it all up, and as slick as David was and as powerful... In his position, he was not able to cover it all up. Because God knew. God knew everything that took place. And what was it that David wrote in Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 8? He wrote in that psalm, he said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Isn't that ironic that David would be asking for his joy to be restored? You know what that tells me? It tells me that in the sin that he did, and the sin that he fell in, and in all the cover-up, the, there was no joy in the life of David. Isn't it ironic that the world will constantly promote sin as a very fun experience? You watch the commercials on TV, and you know what they do? They promote sin, outright sin, on the TV, and they'll tell you it's joyful, and they'll show you a bunch of people that are having a good time, and they'll show you a bunch of people who are smiling, and that everything is going well, and they don't show you the guilt that those people live with, and the fact that they don't have any joy in their life. 
And that's the way the world does because David, or because the devil, the Satan has designed sin. And listen, uh, that, that we, it looks joyful to the human eye. But in reality, it's devastating to your joy and it will destroy your joy and it will take away the joy out of your life. You look at David's life and while it might have seemed pleasurable for the moment, listen, there was no joy. Matter of fact, there was weeks and weeks and months of heartache after that time to the point that when the baby was born uh, and God said, listen, that baby's not going to live. And David knew that and David was heartbroken over it. And David spent hours on his face in prayer to God, begging God for that child. And God took that child and there was no joy in that whole situation. We're talking about a long span of time that I'm sure that David's life was turned upside down and he had lost his joy and he was praying to God in Psalm 51 and verse 8 and he says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Listen, sin uh, will always look pleasurable, but it will remove the joy from your life. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And what I'm saying is, listen, you cannot sow, to the, uh, to the, uh, sow your wild oats and think, well, that's okay, and God's going to uh, cover all that all up. And no, he said very clearly, hey, listen, what you sow is what you will we need to be careful of sin you could go through any amount of sin i mean you look at david's sin he, he lied uh he he committed murder and all effects of it uh he committed adultery and you look at the life and you look at everything that took place and you realize well there certainly was no joy in all of that look with me in matthew chapter number 26 i want to see another example a new testament example of another person who had lost their joy because of sin matthew 26 In Matthew chapter 26, we have, of course, right up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've already prayed in the, in the garden. The disciples were with them. And, and Peter, of course, has said, uh, Lord, I will not deny you. By the way, all the other disciples said the same thing. Just that Peter is just noted out there as the, the, the wide open mouth that, that happens to spew everything that comes into his mind, comes out his mouth. And so, uh, but all the other disciples said the same thing. They said, Lord, we'll not, we're not going to deny you. And, and we have here in, in Matthew chapter number 26, look with me at verse number 60, uh, 69. The Bible says, Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Now, right there, Peter lied. He, you, you and I know, he knew, everyone knew, Peter was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he denied it. He said, I know not what thou sayest. And verse 71, And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that, there, that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. 
And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said, unto, and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Verse 74, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Verse 75, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. You find that time that Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ emphatically three different times, and the last time even to the point of, uh, of cursing and swearing and saying, listen, I know not the man, and, and he was definitive that he would deny the Lord Jesus Christ these three times, and as soon as he did, I want you to recognize and I want you to realize that he lost his joy in his life. Because he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, you'll find from this time forward, uh, all the way to um, J- in John chapter 21, he gives us the story where Peter says, he tells the other disciples, I go a-fishing. Now, it's not wrong to go fishing. Uh, there's no sin in going fishing. And all the fishermen said, Amen. It's not wrong to fish. What was the problem then with that? with that situation. The problem was Peter had lost his joy as a disciple and he said, I am going back to my old lifestyle. That's what the problem was. And he said, I'm done. The Lord's been crucified. It's all over. and, And I don't have anything left here in this life. And I'm going back to my old lifestyle. And he abandoned his Christianity. And he went out onto a boat. And he took up his old lifestyle after God had called him and said, listen, Peter, I want you to be a preacher of the Gospel. And we find that Peter was without joy in his life until John 21 when Jesus resurrected shows up on the shore. Where's Peter? He's out on the boats fishing. And and Jesus calls out, Hey, have you guys caught any fish? And they say, No. And Jesus says, Cast out your nets on the other side. Why would he do that? He was bringing Peter back to the time when he had met Peter when he called Peter, and Peter had been on the the boat fishing all night long, and they had not caught any fish, and Jesus said, hey, cast your nets out, and they cast their nets out, and listen, they, they had caught so many fish, they could not even bring them into the net, and he was reminding Peter of that time in his life, that hey, he had been called to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and now he had abandoned that call, and he had gone back to his old life, and there was no joy. Matter of fact, the Bible would tell us very expressly and clearly that he went out and he wept bitterly. Why? Because there was sin in his life. And sin will rob you of your joy every single time. We find it interesting, David's sin. You could go through example after example after example in the Bible. And what I'm saying is that sin, Satan will, will desires to steal your joy. Sin will rob you of joy in your life. But listen, let me tell you one other thing uh, that will steal your joy. And, and we might spend a little more time here, but the Bible says, um, and turn with me to Proverbs chapter number t- 4. I want you to see this verse. 
Proverbs chapter number 4. This verse has stuck out in my mind since years ago. I preached, I don't even remember how many years ago at a camp, and I did a, a, an in-depth study on, on the heart of man throughout the Bible, and it's amazing how much the Bible talks about the heart of man. But in Proverbs chapter number 4, uh, I love this passage, and we'll just look at verse number 23, one verse. It says there in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So we find that Satan certainly desires to steal your joy. Sin will steal your joy and and, and, uh, ruin your uh, Christian joy in your life. But then the root of it all is self. And it's our own heart. I was listening to... um, uh, Dave Ramsey, he's a financial advisor, and, and, and he's kind of interesting and sometimes entertaining. And, and, uh, and he, said, he said this, he says this in his financial talks. He says, he says you know what the biggest problem in your life is? He said, you've got to get up every morning and you look at yourself in your mirror and you say, that's the problem right there. You're your own problem. And you know what? He's right. The Bible assures us of that. Matter of fact, the Bible would tell us in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know what David's problem was? You know why he fell into sin? Because the Bible would tell us that, hey, all things come from the heart. Remember when Jesus was talking to his disciples, or the Pharisees rather were condemning the disciples for not having wash in their hands, and, uh, and Jesus goes on and he says, listen, it's not those things that without that defile a man, but it's from those things from within that defileth a man. And he goes on and he says, all of those things, adultery, uh, fornication, and un- uncleanness, and, uh, and, and all of the sins, murders, and envies, and strifes, and all of those things come from within from the heart is what Jesus said and here in Proverbs he says keep thy heart with all diligence why because out of it are the issues of life David's problem was that in his own heart that he lusted and he followed his own heart and he didn't keep his own heart and he was his own biggest fault and problem And you'll lose your joy because of following your own heart. The Bible, I would remind us, in in Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And verse number 10 goes on to say, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. And God knows our heart. And I'm saying that we need to be careful of our own self because our heart will lead us into a, a snare and into a trap that will, uh, that will cause us to fall into sin, that will cause us to lose our own joy. We need to be careful of our heart. Not only the heart that would lead us into sin, but uh, the heart that would harbor unforgiveness. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 and verse number 10, uh, well, we're right there. Why don't we turn over there? Proverbs 14, 10. It's an interesting verse. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 10, the heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. The heart knoweth his own bitterness, 
bitterness. And a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. Listen, uh, bitterness, we've talked about it before, comes from many times from unforgiveness. Not forgiving somebody and, and holding a grudge against somebody and it causes bitterness. And listen, uh, that will steal your joy. Sin will cause you to, to lose your joy yourself and not guarding your heart will cause you to lose your joy. But then harboring bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart will also cause you to not be a joyful Christian and have the joy of the Lord in your life. We're talking about the heart and we're talking about self and we need to be careful of, of forgiving other people and not harboring that bitterness and not harboring those feelings inside of us because they will steal us, steal our joy from us. Turn with me just two more passages. Look with me at Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. I want you to see this. Not only the heart... But I want you to notice the mind as well. You know, they say during this whole time of, of the pandemic and, and people being locked in their houses, of course, I've mentioned this multiple times, that uh, suicide is up and drug abuse is up and alcoholism is up. And, and why? Because these people are, are locked into their own houses and, and in all honesty they get discouraged and they get depressed and they're not interacting with other people and really their mind uh, starts to blow things out of proportion as to what they are. And the Bible would warn us of that in Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 8. It says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, underline this phrase, think on these things. If you dwell on everything that's going around, you will be discouraged and you will be depressed. If that's what occupies your mind, you will lose your joy because of, uh, of all the circumstances and the day and age we live in. Listen, it could be anything. Uh, it doesn't even have to be. Even before the pandemic hit, if you were to watch the news and focus on everything that's going on, there is stuff out there that you could say, man, everything's going bad and this and that. And you could, in your own mind, drive yourself down a cliff that would say, man, there's nothing right in this world. But the Bible would warn us not to do that. It says, hey, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. We need to be careful of the, the avenues that our mind would take. And, and listen, just like guarding our heart, we need to guard our mind uh, and wash it with the purity of the Word of God. Uh, because listen, uh, that's going to discourage you. We've got to be careful. Because your joy will be lost by your own thoughts. Your joy will be lost by your own heart. Your joy will be lost by your own mind and the thoughts. And, and, and the Bible would say this, and, and we won't turn there because I said only two more passages, and I have three. So you'll just note this one down, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 6, the Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, one of the biggest problems we have, I, I, and maybe you don't have this, maybe, I, maybe I'm the only one who suffers with this, it's discontentment in life. Honestly. I was thinking the other day, 
as, as I was going around and, and I thought, man, you know, and you go through life and, and, and if, you're, if you're just focused on your own life, you'd be like, man, everything's going good and, man, I've got a good one. When you start looking around and you say, man, well, that guy's, that guy's got it better than me. And all of a sudden you realize, man, maybe, maybe I don't have it so good in my life. And you start looking around and you say, well, look at that guy's got a, he's got a bigger, nicer truck than I got. I don't even have a truck, so he does have a nicer truck than I got. And you look at this person and that person and you start saying, well, man, this guy's doing better than I am. And all of a sudden in your life, you start to get discontented with what you have. And you can plug anything into that circle that you want to. He's got a nicer house. He's got a nicer dog. He's got a nicer this or that or whatever your thing is that you like. You can look at those things and you can say, they've got it better off than me. And I'm no longer content with my life. Now, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, I'll be honest with you, probably one of the biggest blessings in my life was moving to South America and living amongst dirt poor people. You know why? Because it helps you be content. It doesn't only help you be content. It helps you say, man, I I think I need a little less in my life. And I can still be content with the less that I have. Because when you realize where other people are at, and, and we tend to not look at that. Matter of fact, we tend to turn a blind eye to that, and, and we're selfish by nature, and we a desire. Uh, you can take the same thing in, in, in little kids. And listen, uh, you give a little kid a ball, and, and he's really content, man. He's got that ball, and he's playing with it. And, and then you give a bigger ball to another kid. And you watch what happens. That little kid looks at his ball, and he looks at that ball, and he's got a bigger ball. And he says, man, and all of a sudden he's going to go over and reach and push that other kid down and take that ball if he's able to because he wants the bigger ball. And he, he's, not, he's not contented with what he has any longer because he's seen something else that was bigger than what he had and better than what he had. And all of a sudden he didn't like his toy anymore. And listen, those root, Nate, that, that the root of all of that stays within us. We just get more elaborate about it. And we start to become discontented. Listen, if you're discontented, there's no joy in that. The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And in 1 Timothy that it's talking about in chapter 6 is that chapter where Paul is warning Timothy about money and about uh, the, that it's the root of all evil, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And we find that, listen, uh, the more that we have, the more that we want and people are discontented and they're not joyful because uh, they're not content with what they have. So three things that we need to be warned about. Satan wants to steal your joy. Sin will steal your joy. And yourself is probably one of your biggest enemies. That's all great and wonderful. How do we restore our joy? Turn with me to Psalm chapter number 51. I want you to see this. This is David's psalm that he wrote after he sinned with Bathsheba. And after he had killed Uriah the Hittite, and after he had lied and scammed and covered it up and, and tried to do all of that, and this is the psalm that he wrote. And look with me in Psalm 51. He says in verse number 1, Psalm 51 and verse 1, he says, Have mercy upon me, O God. 
according to thy loving kindness. Let me stop right there and let me just point this out because I read this and I thought, man, it was just one of those things where it jumped off the page at me. David cried out and he said, have mercy on me. I don't know if it's new within the past five years, ten years, but it seems like of late many Christians uh, will sin and then what they'll claim is the grace of God. And while there is grace of God, David wasn't crying out for grace. You know what David was crying out for? Mercy. You know what the difference is? Mercy recognizes I am wrong. I have done wrong. I deserve to be punished. And I'm asking you to withhold that punishment. It's a recognition of a wrong relationship and a recognition of a deserving of punishment. But grace would say, uh, as you look back and say, oh, be, it's, it's okay. And, and listen, it seems like so many, many, many Christians today, uh, well, they just say, well, uh, you know, we're living in the day of grace. And they'll use that as an excuse to sin. And it's not right. It's not what God intended for our life. And sin will steal your joy. And so David here, he cries out not for grace, but rather for mercy. And he says here in verse number 1, have mercy upon me. And that would be recognizing his sin, recognizing that he's deserving of a punishment. And he says, have mercy upon me, O God according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He was not trying to ignore the fact that he had sinned. He was not trying to say, uh, you know, it'll just all be alright. He was confessing it to God. Look at what he says in verse number 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me behold thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part that Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which Thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide my face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What a prayer that David was asking. He goes on in verse 11, Cast me not out away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And he says in verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Listen, there's only one way to get your joy back, if Satan has stole your joy or sin has caused you to lose your joy or yourself has, has fallen to a snare. And, and listen, it probably goes progressive where Satan is probably maybe the ultimate that, that would set snares and traps and maybe he doesn't personally come after you, but he knows what your flesh would desire to cause you to fall into sin and then yourself is probably your biggest problem. And David would say you have to recognize that sin and confess it to God. And it's stuff we know. It's stuff we've seen. 
In the New Testament, 1 John 1, 9, if I, I, if I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And what I'm saying is David said the same thing and he experienced it in his life. And he said, listen, I want the joy of my salvation back. Listen, Christian, you don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be discouraged. You don't have to continue living in sin. You don't have to continue uh, living that life of, of a discouraged Christianity. Confess it to God. Get it right. And man, ask God to restore unto you the joy of your salvation. What a blessing to know. And I've said this several times throughout this, that God is a God who is there with arms wide open, saying, hey, if my children, if they'll confess... Man, I'll take them right back. I'm happy to have them. I'm happy to restore that relationship and that joy in their life. And that's what David was praying for in Psalm 51. He said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Listen, your joy can be lost. And it can not be full. As John wrote, 1 John 1.4, these things write I unto thee that, thou may have, or that you may have the joy or the Full joy. I got it right here in my notes because I just botched that. These things were written that your joy may be full. And that's what God wants. He said, I come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. We don't have to live a discouraged life. We can live a joyful Christian life. In 2021, yeah, in 2021, that's what God wants for your life. And all you have to do is ask God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God's willing to do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. And God, we certainly are not perfect people. But God, we're grateful for Your mercy and for your grace, that you do give us what we do not deserve. But God, that you would pardon and forgive our sins. God, help us to walk with you, have a clean and right relationship with you every day. And God, when we mess up, when we sin, when we fail, when we do wrong, God, help us to confess that, and to get our joy restored through You. God, help us not to dwell on the negative and the wickedness in this world. Help us not to harbor feelings of, of unforgiveness and bitterness. And God, help us to uh, have the joy of salvation in our life. God, may we share that joy with the world. And we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we just have the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. wants you to be a joyful Christian. The devil does not want you to be a joyful Christian. Sometimes we just stumble and fall and mess up our own life. But I'm grateful that God's there. 
we'll confess it. Ask Him to forgive us. That that relationship will be restored. We can have the joy of our salvation. And that our joy can be full. As John would put it. Alright, we'll bring our invitation to a close. Thank you.